Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be with you here today. I'm so excited to come again to worship uh, with you all as we open God's Word and as we hear from Him today. It's kind of amazing to me as I sit and think that we're almost upon 4th of July. It's right upon us. It seems like this year has just swept by like a whirlwind, and uh, understandably so with everything that has been going on. Uh, but as, uh, as, as we've gotten closer and closer to 4th of July, I've been reading more and more about some of our founding fathers and about uh, a lot of the, the things that went about uh, with the founding of our nation. And I came across one particular quote uh, from Benjamin Franklin that I felt not only was really unique to Benjamin Franklin, if you know much about him, this quote will uh, be kind of uh, interesting, but also in light of all the things that we've been encountering this year, I thought this particular quote was very uh, timely for us. And I'd like to share it with you here today. Benjamin Franklin commented to George Washington uh, around uh, 1789, I believe it was, as they were trying to work out some of the details to our nation. And he said this uh, to, one, uh, to our first president. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see to this truth, that God governs the affairs of men. The reason why I wanted to share that with you is because as we look around the world today, it seems like 2020 has been just a chaotic year. It seems like uh, the sky is falling. It seems like uh, just all kinds of, of uh, unusual and, and, and crazy things have been going on this particular year. But with all of that said, we can, as Christians, say with confidence that God is still in control that he still governs the affairs of men, that just because things look like they're uh, spinning out of control here from our perspective, that in no way means that God is still not on his throne, reigning and ruling and watching over each and every one of us. Now, as we say that, and as I hope that you affirm that in your heart, and as you hold on to that uh, biblical truth as we go forward into the days ahead, I also want us to pause for a moment and work out the implications of that truth. Because that is true, but what do you do when God, as he is in control of the world and he is working all things out to his good and perfect purpose, when he brings us into chaotic and dark times? What do you do? What do you do when you find yourself, maybe not because of any particular choice in and of uh, your own, but because of just the way life works sometimes, you find yourself in a difficult position, in a, in a time where you can't uh, discern what is the good option, what is the wise course of action. Listen, we find ourselves in a world that is slowly marching towards more and more ungodliness. We see in Scripture that that is the way things are going to continue to unfold until Jesus comes back. And so if that is the, the way the world is, if it is trying to constantly conform us into its own image rather than into the image of Christ Jesus, we need to ask ourselves, how do we, as children of God, live in a time of exile? Because that's what we're in right now. This is not our home. The world as it is is not our home. Our home is with Christ Jesus. But while we are here, we are called to live as children of God in the midst of an ungodly world, in a world of, that's broken, in a world that is dark and growing darker. So how do we live? How do we navigate these waters? 
Well, that's what I want to talk with you here today, is we're going to look at an individual who found himself in that exact same position. Not because of any choice in and of himself, but because of just being a, a, an individual under uh, the, the sun in a broken world, he found himself in a very difficult and dire situation. But because he kept his eyes on God, and he did not compromise his core convictions and what he knew to be true, he was able to navigate those impossible storms of life in a way that brought glory to God and blessings to himself. So if you have your copy of God's Word, I invite you to turn to the book of Daniel. We're going to be looking in chapter 1 of the book of Daniel. Now, if you're, if you're familiar with uh, how uh, the, the Jewish history unfolds and how God's Word unfolds, you know that uh, God was blessing the nation of Israel. He had brought them into the promised land. He said, as long as you follow me and as long as you don't pay attention to all the influences of the nations around you and compromise what I have commanded you to do, then all will go well with you. But if you take your eyes off, if you begin to compromise and you begin to follow after those other false gods, then I'm going to send you into exile. And that's exactly what happened eventually in the uh, life of the nation of Israel. They got their eyes off God. They began following false idols. And because of that, God took them out of the promised land and took them to the place of Babylon and left them there for generations upon generations. And that's where we find Daniel. Not because he himself was following after the other nations, but just because he happened to be there at that particular time. Listen, before we get into our passage, know this. God has you here for a particular reason. You're not here by accident. You could have been born at any place at any time in all of human history, but God has you here for a reason. And so we need to know what God's purpose for our life is and to hold on to that with an unflinching uh, courage and tenacity. Notice what it says here in verse 1 of chapter 1 in Daniel. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now catch this next line here. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into, the hands, into his hands, and with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Now, who brought Israel out of the promised land and into Babylon? God did. It was God working it out. Now, I'm sure many of the people there in Judah, as they went into exile, they thought God had abandoned him, but that was the furthest thing from the truth. Many of you may be sitting here today, and you're wondering if God has turned his back on us or our America or, or this world. But listen, oftentimes when it's the darkest, God is working the hardest and accomplishing his purposes. God was still working in the life of the nation of Israel, even though they couldn't see it. So I want you to notice what happens next here. Verse 3, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles and the young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and to whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans, that is the Babylonians, and the king appointed for them daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine in which he drank. 
and three years of training for them, so that at the end of the time they might serve before the king. Now, pause there for just a moment before we continue on. I want you to notice specifically what's going on here. Not only is the, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, gone into Israel, uh, ransacked the city, burnt down many of the buildings, taken many of the treasures out of the temple of God to bring back and offer to his own false god. He's also taken many of the nobles, many of the king's own uh, children and, and council, and he's taken them to Babylon as well. And now what he is proceeding to do is to erase all remnants of Judaism from their life. He was going to shave their hair. He was going to put on Babylonian clothes. He was going to teach them the Babylonian language, going to teach them the Babylonian uh, arts and, and uh, knowledge. He was going to give them Babylonian names, as we're going to see in just a second. And he was going to erase everything about their culture and make them essentially Babylonians. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I can't help to think, but that is what the world is trying to do to each and every one of us as well. The world would love nothing more than for us to look more and more like them. To, to look at the world and evaluate it the way they evaluate it. To hold their values instead of our values and the values that God communicates in his word. We're, uh, we as a people are being instructed from the youngest age through television, through, through uh, our, our um, our communities and our social contacts, through, through, through businesses, through everything. It's a bombarding a message that you make your own values. You make your own decisions. You trust your own wisdom. And maybe there was a day and time where, where our, our country and where our communities valued the things of God, but we are increasingly marching towards a future where that is not the case. And if we allow it, we will become more and more like the world and less and less like Christ Jesus. I want you to notice what it says here in verse, in verse 4. It says, Now among those who were the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now you may know the name Daniel, but many of the other names you probably don't recognize. And that's because these are all the Jewish names of the people that you see throughout the book of Daniel. Daniel is the only one throughout the rest of the book of Daniel that you continue to see his Hebrew name. The rest of the names were changed to Babylonian names. Notice what it says here. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave them the names he gave to Daniel, which means God is my judge, the name Belshazzar, which means Bel protects my life. To Hananiah, which means the Lord shows grace, he gave the name Shadrach, which means the command of Aku, the, uh, one of the chief deities of Babylon. To Mishael, which means who is like God, he gave the name Meshach, which means who is like Aku. And then to Azariah, which means the Lord is my help, he gave the name Abednego. You are familiar with uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are later uh, described in the fiery furnace. But here you see again, wiping all Hebrew and godly identity away from these individuals. Now, I want you to catch this next part, though. Look with me real quick in verse 8. And here, I believe, is the crux of this first chapter in the book of Daniel. Verse 8 says this, But Daniel purposed in his heart. 
Another translation says this, but Daniel made up his mind. Daniel drew a line in the sand. He says, listen, you can change my hair. You can change my clothes. You can change my language. You can change all that you want about me. But here's where I draw the line. You are not going to make me a Babylonian. Where did he draw the line? We see in just a a few verses what it says. It says he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He said, listen, you can do all those things, but I'm not going to cross this line because in God's word, he has told me, not to eat these things, not to partake of these things. Many of the things that would have been found on the king's table would have probably been unkosher uh, things. They would have been pork and other things that uh, the, the Jews were not allowed to eat. They would have probably also been food that were offered up to idols, which was an abomination to the Jewish people. And Daniel said, you can do a lot of things. I will compromise and I will go with you to an extent, but there's a place that I will not cross. Now, my question to each and every one of you, as I've been asking myself over this past week, is this. Where's your line in the sand? Where is that place that you will will give and you'll give and you'll give and you'll say, okay, listen, I'm going to compromise. I'm going to try to keep the peace. I'm going to try to, you know, acclimate as best as I can to the people that I'm around uh, so that I don't offend anyone or so that I don't uh, cause undue conflict. But here's where I draw the line. And I'm not going any further. Because listen, compromise is a beautiful thing. Too often there are people who are unflexible and unyielding and because of that they they cause undue conflict and tension in families, in workplaces, in churches. And there, there is disunity because of an unflexible, uncompromising stance on things that should be uh, uh, compromised on and, and, and we should not take a hard stance on. But the problem is, as great as uh, being a compromising type person is, there are some things that we can't compromise on. There are some things that we, it is not up to me to compromise on these things because God has said it, that settles it. There are certain things that we take stances on, not because we like to, but because we have to, because I'm not following my own heart or my own desire. I'm not following the world. I'm not following anyone else except the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he leads, we go. And when he says stop, we stop. We don't question it. We don't fight against it. We follow him, even if we don't know why. Listen, there are plenty of things in God's word that make me uncomfortable to have to take a stance on. And there are far too many preachers and pastors and Christians who are willing to compromise on on things that God has clearly stated in his word. Listen, the truth is each and every one of us will stand before God. And it doesn't matter what time you lived in. It doesn't matter what culture you are a part of. All that matters is, did you know what God's word said and did you follow it? Did you follow him? Or did you go with the flow of our culture and our times? Listen, it's not easy. It's not easy for any one of us. It's not easy for anyone who's ever tried to live godly. In fact, Paul told Timothy, all who seek to live godly lives will suffer persecution. The world will never understand us. The world will never understand why we value the things that we value, why we do the things that we do. But listen, it doesn't matter if they understand. 
All that matters is that we do what we know is right. So the thing I want us to think about and I want us to wrestle with here today is I'm not going to give you a laundry list of here's what you need to do and here's where you take your stances and here's where you don't take your stances. Listen, that's already been communicated to us in God's Word. You want to know where you take your stances? You begin getting into God's Word until God's Word gets into you. To when you begin seeing the world the way God sees it because you have just been spending time with your Heavenly Father. But here's what I would like to do in the time that we have left. What I would like to do is I would like to offer you just a, a few key insights that have helped me as I've navigated uh, my Christian life in this, in this world that seeks to draw us away. I would like to just leave you with a, a few principles of how to know when do we compromise? When, do, when is it okay to give in and when, is it, when do we need to stand firm? And I want to offer you just four key insights that have helped me along, along the way to know, okay, here's where I compromise and here's where I need to stand firm. The, uh, first and foremost, as we've already said, we stand on God's word. We stand on God's word no matter what. That's what Daniel did in this passage. It could have easily gone in a bad way where Daniel took this stance and they killed him for it. We know how this story ends. We know that Daniel went to the chief of the eunuchs and he said, listen, I can't do this. It's offensive to me. It goes against what I believe and uh, what my God has told me. And so I'll make you a deal. Ten days. Give me ten days of not eating this. We'll just eat uh, these vegetables. We'll observe these kosher laws. And at the end of ten days, if we're not healthier and if we're not more vibrant than the rest of the people that have been eating the king's meal, then do, do what you want with us. And at the end of the 10 days, he was him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were better off, healthier, and more vibrant than the rest. Why? Because God blessed their obedience. They took a stand on God's word. So the first thing that you need to ask yourself, whenever you are uh, facing the pressure of compromising or you are in the midst of a, a difficult decision, you need to ask yourself, does God's word say anything about this? Does God's word speak to this issue? Does it lay down any principles that I need to observe as I make this decision? And if it does, you follow what God's word says, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's difficult, and even if no one else understands it. But you know, there are times where God's word doesn't speak on every particular issue that we're going to face today. Which brings me to my next principle. What does your inner conscience tell you? What does your personal convictions tell you? Listen, all of us are born with an inner conscience, an inner voice, an inner uh, moral code that we need to follow. And for some of us, uh, it leads us in this direction, and others, uh, we are not convicted on that particular issue, so we, we go in this direction. I'll give you a great example. Uh, there are many Christians who hold fast to the stance that we do not work on Sundays. Right? That is God's day, and we need to take a day of rest. But guess what? As a pastor, that's one of my busiest days. Right? Sunday's not my Sabbath day. And so I take a different day, because that, for me, and what God has called me to do, He has called me to find a different day of rest. So my, my way of observing this is a little bit different from your way of, of observing this. 
Another example uh, that I've seen in my life, uh, Jenna's grandmother, one of the sweetest uh, ladies that I've ever had the pleasure of meeting. A great godly woman who enjoyed going to church and enjoyed uh, reading God's word. Uh, but she grew up in a time where you did not at any time, any circumstances, uh, as a woman, wear pants to church. Many of y'all are probably uh, aware of uh, that kind of convi- conviction, that kind of uh, generation that had those stances. Nothing wrong with that at all. But there are other Christians who don't have those stances, don't have those convictions. And listen, I believe it would be wrong to try to uh, coerce her and pressure her to violate her conviction. Just as it would be to try to get anyone else to sin against their conscience and their personal convictions and codes that God has placed on them or that they are, are trying to follow God with, with their conscience. So, do you follow God? What does his word say? Are you listening to your conscience and your personal conviction? And then secondly, I want us to see that there are seasons of life where it is unwise to go a certain route or to compromise in certain ways. Listen, as a parent, when we were, uh, Jen and I uh, first had kids and uh, they were very young, there were certain things that we just couldn't do because we had young kids. There were certain things that we just did not have the uh, availability, the time, the resources, or even the energy to go and do because of that particular season in life. We wanted to go out and hang off with friends, but we couldn't do it because we had responsibilities at that season of our life that required our attention and required our efforts. There have been times in ministry where uh, God had called me to certain things at certain times that that I had to say no to other things that I wanted to do because God at that season of life and that season of ministry had me doing this. One of the greatest examples that I see in Scripture of someone who at a season of their life made hard uh, decisions and stuck to their convictions at that particular time is the, uh, the individual Nehemiah. You look at Nehemiah, and as he was called to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, numerous times individuals came to him and said, Nehemiah, come with us. We need to talk. We need to hash out some plans. And he said, listen, as much as I want to go, I can't. I have a good work, and I cannot come down. I cannot come down from this wall because this, at this time in my life, is what God has called me to do. And to do anything else would be wrong. Listen, You have certain callings in this season of your life. Stop looking at the last season you just came out of and stop looking forward to the next season. You're here right now. And don't let anyone pressure you into taking on responsibility or compromising in any way as to what God would have you do right here and right now. Be present in this season of your life and make wise choices that bring glory to God and bless you. And the last thing I would just encourage you to do as you're thinking through these difficult decisions and navigating these waters of life, not only do we need to listen to God's word, not only do we need to listen to the conscience that he's given us and we need to observe the season of life with the responsibilities that it has for us here and now, but also you need to look at your own life experiences. What have you experienced and how does that affect what you, uh, the choices that you make? Listen, as I was growing up, early on in my Christian life, and uh, I came into uh, a a church that had a wonderful youth group that really helped me at a pivotal time in my life. Teenage years are such a a difficult time in anyone's life 
And to have a, a church family that came around to minister and to bless me was just tremendous. And the youth group there uh, worked with me and, and discipled me in a, in a powerful way, particularly uh, the, the youth leader who wasn't a paid full-time staff. He was just a volunteer. And he poured into my life much like a father would a son and worked with me. And, and I believe that in many ways I am where I am today because of his influences. But there was a time after I had gone out of the youth group that hurt me tremendously. There was a moral failure with that particular leader in the youth group. He had done some things that, that compromised his ministry integrity and broke the heart of the church and many of the people that he had ministered to. And because of what had happened to him and how it affected not only that church, but in particular me, as I had sat under his teaching for so long, has dramatically affected many of the ways that I conduct myself in ministry so that I avoid those things. Because of my experiences, I now make different choices to make sure that I don't end up there as well. Many of you have probably encountered, undoubtedly encountered experiences that have shaped how you see the world, how you navigate circumstances. When you encounter difficulties and difficult decisions and just trying times, you look at God's word. You listen to your inner conscience and what it's telling you. You look around at the season of life and the responsibilities that you have, and you look at your past experiences, and in light of those things, you do what you believe God is calling you to do, and you take those stances. Uncompromised, unapologetically, take those stances for God's glory and for his kingdom. If we will do that, can you imagine for just a moment, imagine with me what could happen if we had a group of believers if we just had a handful of people who were sold out to God like Daniel was sold out to God, who would not compromise what God had told him, how God was using him, we could change this world for the glory of God. God could do such a great work. He's waiting for just a few individuals who will follow hard after him. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my kids, and that's what I want for each and every one of you. But you have to make that decision. I have to make that decision. And listen, it doesn't mean that all things are going to go well. It doesn't mean that things are going to go as well as, as they went for Daniel. But that's not the point. The point is that we follow God because he deserves it. In just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. And this is the, the part of the service where you, in my opinion, do uh, the, the greatest act of worship that we have during this time. Where you follow what God is speaking to your heart right here and now. Maybe you're here today and you realize, you know what, I've been compromising in areas. I've been kind of uh, giving in to the world and to uh, what other people say. And I need to stop and I need to recommit my life to following God again. To draw those lines in the sand and not give an inch. If that's you, I pray that you will make those stances right here now. Don't wait a moment, but you commit to God right here now that you'll follow him. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted God as your Lord and your Savior. Listen, that is the first step to the greatest decision that you will ever make, to the greatest relationship you'll ever have, and I pray you make it today. 
whatever it is, however God's moving in your life, this is the time to follow him. Let me uh, lead us in a time of prayer as we go into our invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Father, thank you that you are moving in each of our lives. Even when we can't recognize it, even when we don't see your hand, Lord, we know that you are alive, that you're well, and Lord, you are truly arranging the affairs of men. Lord, this world around us is hurting. Lord, there are people in this room who are hurting. And Father, we need to hear from you. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for bringing each individual person that you wanted to hear this message here today. And Lord, I pray that they would hear you. Father, I pray that all distractions would fade away. And Lord, that you would do what only you can do and transform our lives more and more into the image of your Son. Father, we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.